Welcome to the coolest episode of Crosstalk. Today, I have a guest I met about a year ago. I live in a, the fanciest, most spectacular building you'd ever want to see in New York City, and they have the fanciest, most spectacular people working at the building. William is the key guy at the building running the show at the front door, but William's a great guy, and we've gotten to be friends over the, the year that we've known each other, and I'm really excited to welcome him. I'm going to kind of interrupt you. That's what the word crosstalk is all about, is we just yeah. interrupt each other. We're not allowed to do that when we go to 12-step meetings. Yeah, no crosstalk, right? Here's exactly what we do. We <laughs> violate all the rules. William, welcome to Crosstalk. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for having me. Thanks um, for having me, Corey. Thrilled that you're sitting in that seat. We're all going to learn something today. So what we try to do is we talk a little bit about growing up, how you started. Everybody that sits in that seat has had some experience with alcohol or drugs. Mm -hmm. Want to hear about how that started and where it took you to and then where we are today. My grandmother adopted me from um, when I was younger. My mother had me at 15 and my father was like 18, 19. And they just wanted to give me this uh, a different scenery. I had a good childhood growing up. I will say I'm, I'm more lucky and fortunate than my friends who grew up in the city. I had the opportunity to experience a different scenery than Harlem, New York, where I'm from. I got to grow up upstate, a nice small town called Roscoe, New York. Roscoe by the Tri-Town. diner? Roscoe Diner, the famous Roscoe Diner, exactly. My <laughs> roommate from college, my best friend, uh, came from Roscoe, New York. Yeah, we might know each other. That's possible. <laughs> so I got the opportunity to live with my grandmother and my cousins. We were all the same age. It was about six of us there. My uncle also lived there with my grandma. My grandma like, took care of all the generations. Me and one of my cousins named Janae, we were the last generation to live with her. So we were the only black family in the town. The town's like a three block radius. So it's less than 800 people in the town. I never uh, experienced racism there. Wow. Well, maybe one time, when I was probably like 11 years old, that, you know, around Christmas time, you get to see Santa Claus and everything. Santa Claus was drunk, so. He needs some milk. Me and my friends, uh, well, I pulled his beard. He said, get this hey, hey, off now. Come on, come on, come on. Wow. You might want to edit. <laughs> Sorry, but you might want to edit some of that up. That's horrible. How old yeah. were you? You were 10? I was probably like 10 years old. You got that part out with the bleeping, no, right? I mean, the worst part, why would you pull the guys? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were very popular. I was like one of the star football players of the team. You know, those towns like that, real party towns. And for my first time having a drink, I was probably 13 years old. We were probably riding bikes or something. Then one of the friends sneaks, you know, out of mom's cabinet. It's a bottle of vodka. We all drink it, get wasted, then we go to school. It started there, and I said, Damn, like, this is what life's about. It was a lot of alcoholism, and that, that seemed like it made me, like, more extra, like, more cool. Like, like, oh, look at this guy. He's wild. He's, like, you know, like, life of the party type of thing. I hung out with a lot of people more older than me. So I was 13. The guys were already graduated out of high school already, so. Did it accelerate from there, or you kind of were chill during high school? It didn't really ex- accelerate till I was older, but it, we, we would do it. Some of the parents would get you some beers and everything, and as long as you're on the property or in the house, they didn't... So it really sounds care. pretty normal. Yeah. When high school started, I moved back with my mom. I would talk to my father. I would visit him on holidays. Same with my mother. She would take me, like, vacations, like Bahamas or Disney World. We had a good relationship, definitely. Mm-hmm. I went to Rice High School in Harlem, 
you know, I got kicked out of there, so I went to Martin Luther King High School, graduated from there. What are you doing in high school in Harlem if you're living in Roscoe? My mom lived in the city. I moved back to the city, and my grandmother lived <clears throat> upstate. I came back to Harlem. I went to high school here. This is an all-boys Catholic school. It's called Rice High School, a very popular school. I made it to 11th grade there. I got kicked out with like five other of my friends. Nothing to do with foul shooting. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was that. Then I went to a high school called Martin Luther King. It was a rougher school. I still got friends there today. But that's when like smoking weed came apart. You know, you want to fit in with these guys because, you know, I'm, at this point I'm a country boy. So I just want to fit in now with the city folks now, you know? Yeah, we do that every weekend. Graduate from Martin Luther King, I worked at this company called Foley and Karina. It's a fashion company. So right out of high school, I worked for them for like a year. I wish I would have stayed in that industry because I, I love fashion. I can't picture you in women's clothes. <laughs> That's where the money's at, though, selling the women's clothes, you know? Oh, selling it. I'm sorry. I yeah. Oh, no, not, not, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so after a year, what happened? Why, why'd you leave? So uh, it was stupid. Like, I didn't really like the responsibility of this getting up, going to work every day. Was, oh, my God. Because, you know, I'm 18 at this time, so usually kids go to college. I didn't go to college. I went back upstate. At that time, it was just party, party, party. I stayed up there for a year, and I said, oh, I like making money. <laughs> so I went back to the city. I met this girl. I lived with her for a little while. I found another job that I stayed with for a few years. And the guy, he's from Harlem, a successful guy, and he kind of like took me under his wing. It's just drinking at that point, and the smoking still at that point. Then I finally go to college. I went to BMCC, Community College. So I was going for business. And you got all type of ways of life, walks of life there. Some serious students, some people who are just biding their time and everything yeah. in the middle. Exactly. I joined myself. I was more focused on the ladies at that time. Right. And that's when I met this girl at school. She was a lot older than me. Uh, she was a, this Russian girl. She was an ex-user herself of heroin, but she got herself together. She was going to go to Columbia after that, but she was into the opioid thing now. She uh, introduced me to all that stuff, so she gave it to me. And, you know, first time taking it, I had my first Percocet. That was like the best thing in the world. Damn, this is like, this feels better than sex, you know? It was like everything, you know? No, I do know. <laughs> I do know. I had my experiences with opiates as well, with uh, Percocet, Oxycodone, Oxycontin. At the beginning, it works, mm -hmm. and then the more you do it, the less it works. The less yes. it works, the more you need. The more you need, the sicker you get, sicker and you get. eventually uh, you're off the rails. Yeah, and my sponsor says, when euphoria wears off, that's when the chaos starts, you know? It almost works. Yeah. But it never quite gets there. Never like that first time, you know. Somebody a long time ago told me that uh, getting high makes you feel really good for a little while, and but it doesn't last. Mm -hmm. Getting sober takes quite a while to mm -hmm. really get it. Yeah. But when you get it, it stays. Nobody can take it away from you except you. Exactly. And, you know, we addicts and alcoholics don't have a lot of patience. We want what we want when we want it. We want to do it the quick way. So the, this lovely young lady who's <laughs> about to... Did she ever make it to Columbia, by the way? She went to Columbia, then I was... Uh, I don't know. You were done. I was done, yeah. She was rushing to Columbia. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. So I would work at the messenger job, then go to the BMCC at night, take like two classes. But at that point, it wasn't like I'm a full-on, I, I needed it. 
started spamming more with other stuff, but I wasn't, I didn't consider myself like a addict, you know, full blown, like I need help. I would just experiment with, with different stuff, hanging out with friends. The fuse was lit, but, but you hadn't it definitely, exploded yet. Yeah, it was definitely like, it started, it got the addiction going. I had a friend that I went to high school with. His mom is like property manager for different buildings in the city. I got a summer job at this lovely building, you know, and I did summer relief for a little while. And then maybe like two years later, they called me back for me to work. And But probably in those two years, I met my lovely godparents now. I met them in the building. Wow. They really took a liking to me ever since like I first met them. It was like we really like connected a lot. They took a liking to you? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> We're really close still to this day. Lucky guy. Yeah, you know, I, I, call it, I always say they're lucky, you know, they get to have me, you know. So how did you get, get you to be in this seat here? It took a while, but they say maybe like a week, okay. I just started using the perks every day, using the perks every day. Then after two weeks, you need this, you need this stuff now. Like, you can't really focus without it. I wasn't even high, like, at these times, prices were low. Then, you know, the price became this outrageous. It just wasn't worth it anymore. And then as all opioids, they start to move on to that next step. Heroin says, you know, it's basically like the same thing, but it's not the same thing, you know. But you didn't shoot heroin. No, I didn't shoot heroin. Like I told you, I'm scared of needles, so. Well, that's lucky. Yeah, thank God, you know. I lost so many people. You know, a lot of people from upstate, because it hit upstate really hard up there. Like, like a good, like 20 people I know from up there passed away. Over the years, I was a young guy when I got sober, but there's a lot of people that I've had as friends, people that I've sponsored. A lot of people have done really well and are sober a long time, but the ones I remember, the ones that are gone. You can't yeah. stop thinking about them. Yeah. You wonder, what could I have done? And there's really nothing that we can do. If the person doesn't want to stop, they're going to do what they want to do. Yeah, you got to want it. Really, we have to just be powers of example, live the way we live, and hopefully somebody will take a look at you, take a look at me and say, you know what, I want what he has. But that's how change happens, is by us taking care of ourselves and people yeah. saying, you know what, he looks pretty happy. And you know, that last week, it was kind of like a real blur. My godfather got me into Wellbridge out in Long Island, beautiful place. I remember this ended up in a rehab. So I was in detox, and I guess somehow, some way, I had snuck some stuff with me. So, I, you know, next thing I, I remember, I have one of the, the CAs trying to get me back. He had like his knuckle in my chest just trying to like get me up. I wake up in the ambulance, everything was just, just a blur, there's nothing. And then I just wake up in the ambulance and they say, you know, you, uh, you just OD'd, right? You know, you know you were out for over 25 minutes, right? We couldn't bring you back too. So I, I got hit with seven arcane shots, just like bring me back. Wow. So they said I was literally like clinically dead. No action to the brain over like 20 minutes, five minutes. This all happened at the rehab? Yeah. How'd you sneak the stuff in there? Yeah, I don't remember, but it, it happened. Wow. <laughs> Woke up with kidney failure, so they had to keep me in the hospital for like four days. You're a fucking miracle. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely fortunate. I thought it would never get, you know, to this point. That's the thing. Was, what's life without using? Like, everybody's so miserable. It gets better. I actually have some money in my pocket. Like. How about relationships? How's your relationship? Oh, so while I was going through my situation with the rehab thing, there was this girl I was dealing with, but we stopped talking for a little while. But she's the only person, you know, who kept a check on me because my mother had my phone. So she just kept calling, kept calling, kept calling every day, texting, texting. Then my mother finally picked up. So she picked up, oh, my son is, you know, what's going on with him? 
she, she said, I don't want anybody talking to my son who's uh, using or bad influence on him. But I'm all right. But, um, but she's the only one who was there for me, you know? Kept checking up, so we'll be really tight to this day. What's so, her first name? Alexis. Nice. Yeah, and it's worth it, man. It's tears of joy, man. Like, I had the best year of my life, you know? Since getting off everything, so everything's just been good. I got into acting classes. My godparents got me in acting classes. It just, it's been a good year, man. And I'm working on now trying to get a house next year and talking to the banks about stuff. So it's like traveling now. Me and my girlfriend just went on a lovely trip to Miami. Like, I can never do that in the past, you know? You, you've done more than just grow up. Yeah. You've really become your own person. You know, where you can feel good about yourself. You feel good when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. And you know that you're, you're moving in a direction that's going to lead to good things uh, tomorrow. My downfall went this and that's surrounding yourself with the right people, you know? So now I just hang out with, like, the weirdest bunch of people now. <laughs> like, you know, people I would never hang out with. I don't know if I want to stay alive and keep on the right path. Like, I just don't even go around. I can't hang out with a lot of my family anymore, you know? Cause they still... There's not much more that you can go beyond having someone tell you that you were clinically dead. Yeah, yeah. So you're a miracle. I got the uh, seven tattooed on me for the uh, seven shots, so, yeah. <laughs> we, we won't forget. Won't forget. Oh, we'll never forget it, you know. Absolutely. So you, you get sober. Hey, did, did you lose your job? No. How'd no. that go? Uh, I still... <laughs> <laughs> Still think it's a miracle, but God was good, man. God is good. Thank God for the job. I had my good insurance. They took me back with open arms. When you came back, that's when we got to know each other more. There was a feeling in the building from the staff as, as well. And there was a lovely guy who took your place. Yeah. Really nice kid. Mm -hmm. I kind of got to know him. And when you came back, I wasn't all that thrilled about it because <laughs> I liked the kid. Yeah. And I wish they could have found a place for him. Yeah. But then I got to know you and I said, oh, kidding. <laughs> Uh, still just a work in progress, you know, like, you gotta keep yourself this busy, and I didn't really have a life. Now I'm taking acting classes, I'm going to plays, play soccer, and keeping good people around you. Me and my girlfriend, we travel, just, you know, give it a shot. When you get sober, it's, uh, it gets great, man. So whoever's out there that don't think it's possible, it definitely gets great, man. I promise you that. I enjoy the acting, though. Are you good at it? Yeah, I did a couple things before. I was on HBO, two-word part on there. I was on Law & Order. How many syllables were each word? <laughs> Very slim. Going to the meetings definitely it helps. And they, getting a sponsor. And getting a sponsor, too. Not too distant future, you'll probably be a really good sponsor for somebody else. Yeah, like I can technically start having them, but I, I need more work before I can take on that responsibility. That's one of my goals for next year in January, so. I can see you being a great sponsor. So let me ask you something. How difficult was this? It took a lot, but it was easy. Just talking. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a little bump over there, just a yeah. little tiny bump. And then once in a while, Sergio interrupts us and, you know. Hey, that's cool. Sergio's cool. I'm keeping that in. Yeah, why not? He, I mean, Sergio is cool. That's the fact of the matter. And we wouldn't have crosstalk without Sergio. Oh, yeah, yeah. He got the beautiful setup here, man. So. You're the, you're the guy. We don't have it without you. Yeah. The you best part of the setup is that you're sitting in that chair. Yeah. It wouldn't be cross up without... Without, without the... Without All right. 
<laughs> well, William, thanks so much for being here today. I love talking to you anytime, and being able to have the privilege of doing it here on Crosstalk is extra special. I feel honored. You definitely, my guy here, you got me to be vulnerable and talk. This is what uh, sobriety does to you. It makes you do things you normally wouldn't do. You're doing a great job, man. You know, there's a huge added community out there, and we need stuff like this, you know? Yeah, well, as long as I'm breathing, this is what tomorrow looks like. All right, hug it out, hug it out. All right, come here. <laughs> Thanks oh, so much. Man. Thank you. It's great.